Welcome to the Exchange Church Podcast. Feel free to join us live on Facebook every Sunday at 10 a.m. at facebook.com slash exchangechurch. The following message is brought to you by our lead pastor, Pastor Jared Brooks. I wish I was black. I'm telling you, ain't nobody can do it like Fred Hammond. Ain't nobody can do it like Fred Hammond. Welcome to the exchange. Somebody say amen. You know, I, uh, have you ever been, you didn't have to turn it all the way down. If you want to leave it playing gently in the background, I don't mind, I'm just saying. Uh, man, I'm so excited to, uh, to, to speak a word of life. I'm going to start at the very beginning this morning because uh, I thought it's appropriate. We're now in 2021. We're a couple weeks in now, and I don't know if y'all are feeling good jujus or whatever. I'm feeling good about 21. I felt good about 2020 also, but uh, for me, I still, 2020 wasn't like, you know, I hear people talk about the year that they want to forget in 2020. It wasn't that for me. It, there were some ugly times and some ugly seasons, and, and uh, you know, in business, uh, and on one hand, it could have been better, but, uh, you know, I, I have the glass half full uh, uh, syndrome, where I always see things glass half full, and so that's part of my blessing, maybe, and my curse, I don't know, but uh, 2020 wasn't all that bad for me, but I, I understand that 2020 was not like anything we've ever seen. However you want to see that, good, bad, indifferent, 2020 was like nothing we'd ever seen before in a lot of areas of our life. And for some people, it really was devastating. And so as we're moving into a new season, I I want to share a word that the Holy Spirit really spoke to my heart, really impressed on my heart. And uh, and I'm going to start back at the beginning. The Bible says in Genesis chapter 1, Verse number one, this is a story maybe you've heard before. Maybe you've heard this at one time or another in your life. And it says this, in the beginning, everybody say in the beginning. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness, everybody say darkness. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Verse number three, this is very, very important. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. God saw the light was good. And he separated the light from the darkness, and he called the light day, and he called the darkness night. And there was evening, and there was morning on the first day. Okay, there was evening, and then there was morning. There was evening, and then there was morning. The evening happened, and then there was morning. So if you take a traditional analog clock or a clock that most of us probably use our watch, there is 12 o'clock two times a day, right? So we have 12 o'clock two times a day. We have 12 o'clock noon, and then we have 12 o'clock midnight. But if you're going on like military time or a 24-hour clock, there's not two 12 o'clocks. It's just one through 23 because there is no 24-hour, okay? On a, on a, on a 24-hour clock, 
when it gets back at the end of 23, it goes to zero, 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 zero. Zero hundred hour. Zero hour, which would mean that, that midnight is not just the ending of the day before, but it is the second November I was praying, brand new day. The start of a brand new day. And, and back in November, I was praying, and, and I've generated hard anyway for the church, the body of Christ in general. Um, not just our church, but all around the world. Uh, just seeing things that, that are disturbing, you know, and in your spirit and heart. And, and I was praying, and I, I prayed especially for this church of, of what was going to happen, what it was going to look like. I told you guys, you know, a month or two ago, several months ago, that uh, there were weeks and days that I wondered if the exchange would actually exist through this, if we would actually make it through this. And I was praying, and back in November, there's a word that came into my spirit, and it was this. It was midnight. It's midnight. And the Holy Spirit began to speak this word to me, and, and, and he said this, that midnight, that it is midnight, the hour for the church, the time for the church, the time for the body of Christ moving into 2021 is this, that it is midnight. And midnight is exciting to me. Midnight doesn't mean it's all gloom and doom. It's all say it's the midnight hour. It's not the end of the world. It's not the beginning of the end. It's not it's all over for us. Midnight is the beginning, the start of a brand new day. A brand new day. And when you think about it that way, maybe we will stop praying so much in panic. Right? Have you noticed that, that maybe sometimes we just kind of pray in panic, and, and that's probably where a lot of the church has been this year, and in the last six months is a lot of panic praying? The evening and the morning, and then it was the first day. When you think about it that way, maybe it should change the way that we pray. Maybe it should change a little bit the sound of our praise. For a lot of us, what happened in 2020 uh, was crazy. Um, we lost our praise. We lost the sound of our praise. A lot of us lost how we, our prayers just sounded completely different. Uh, you know, this week, Shelly and I, we've been packing up all week and going, and we've been packing up a daycare that we opened up a few years ago, and we opened it up, we took out loan open, and, and it was kind of our baby and we put so much into it. We took out loans that we're still going to be paying for for four or five more years. And we, this was our thing. And all week long, we've been moving out of it. It was disheartening. It was disappointing. And our prayers started sounding different. And for a lot of believers throughout 2020, our prayers started sounding like prayers of desperation, prayers of despair, prayers of fear. They kind of become the anthem. That's kind of the way it starts to sound is, God, we need you to do something. And God, you got to do something. And God, time's running out. And God, I need you to make a way when this end. And it's just this, please, 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 because we find ourselves in this kind of unfamiliar, uneasy and crazy situation. And so our prayers start to sound desperate. But I'm here to tell you today as the mouthpiece of the Holy Spirit that God wants you to know that it is midnight and that it is the beginning of a brand new day. Somebody say amen. That should be exciting to you. 
It's exciting to me. And, and, and when this word came into my spirit, I just really began to think about it and think about it. And, and it just began to stir in me. And, and, and it became more exciting and more exciting. So this, this past week, I was at home one morning, one day. I don't even remember what day it was. And uh, I got out of the shower, and I was putting my socks and shoes on, and I turned on my, I, my, my uh, iTunes on my phone, and sometimes, and this happens at night to a scary side story here, but our Bluetooth surround sound in our bedroom sometimes will just sync automatically to our phone. Like, it won't be synced for, like, two weeks, and then all of a sudden one day it'll sync, and you get a notification from, like, ESPN or something, and it'll go, bloop, bloop, bloop real loud and like you're almost asleep and through your surround sound out of nowhere go bloop, 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 right so I turned on my iTunes and uh it started playing on my phone and then boom it just started coming through my speakers so I grabbed my bible I started praying and I was just smelling good felt good it was a good day I was trying to get my attitude right because that's important how you start your day so I was trying to get my attitude right, and a song came on that I had not heard in years, years. And man, this used to be my jam, and it was the song that, and the song says, went for us, and it, Fred Hammond sings a song, and it's blessed. And, and the song says, we're blessed in the city, we're blessed in the field, we're blessed when we come and when we go. He casts down every stronghold, sickness and darkness you must cease. For the devil is defeated, and we are blessed. <laughs> and if you watch the live version of this song, uh, he says, they start singing, and right in the middle of the song, this lady grabs a Bible, and she says, and at midnight, she starts reading Acts chapter 16, and at midnight, she starts preaching. And uh, Fred Hammond, after she preaches, he stops, and he says, for those of y'all, he tells the music, he said, for those of y'all that come from the nice church, the real quiet church, and y'all don't get all that loud, let me interpret what she just said. And then he starts to sing out, shout, late at the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. I mean, I was in my bedroom, Woo! I got the heebie-jeebies. The Holy Spirit was so strong, and I just started just singing and shouting. It is. It's late. In the midnight hour, God is turning it around. He's going to work in your favor because I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. And the church has got to begin to remember that we are blessed and that we, we have to stop these, these prayers of desperation and these prayers of fear and these prayers like it's all over and understand who we are, that we are blessed. We are blessed. And anyway, it just, it got all over me and I just began to sing that. And I thought, how appropriate that that's where we're going this year. And that's the word that God has put in our hearts and in our spirits for this church and for the believers that we are living in the midnight hours we walk into 2021. It doesn't, there's, there's no promises of the midnight hour that it's going to be all great. I'm telling you, there's very few days that I start my day in the morning and go through the entire day and 100% of my day is great. In fact, nine times out of ten, every day there's something not so great that happens within my day. 
So the promise is that not that 2021 is going to be all roses, but the promise is that we are at the beginning of a brand new day. And that's important. It's important that you understand that you're living in a new day because there's a saying that people tell, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. That is so look for, you will find. Have y'all ever heard that? Well, whatever you're looking for, you're going to find. That is so true. Man, that is the most true about social media ever, right? Doom and doom, not a problem. Whatever it is, if you're looking to hate this side or that side or this person or that person or this style or that style, not a problem. Because whatever it is that you're looking for, you're going to find somebody that supports your views and you'll find it. You'll find it. And so the problem is that we have to stop looking to be right. No, no amen. Let me type that in there. No amen on that one. We have to stop looking to be right when it comes to our conspiracy theories. We have to stop looking to be right when it comes to, uh, to this and that. And we have to start praying and praising God as if God is actually still on the throne. We have to start singing and worshiping and praying to a God that we believe is actually still working in our favor and on our behalf. Good things are coming your way. Praise like there's no tomorrow. Praise like you understand that God is still working in your favor. Praise as if you are the agent of change for this world. Our God is bigger than this world, and this world is not out of control. The church is just on lunch break. Okay? This world has not gone out of control. The church is just in nap time. The church is just taking it easy. But it's time for the church to stand up or come back from lunch break, whatever, and begin to speak life into a dark, dark world. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read this, and I'm going to show you how big God is. And this is, I just added this late last night just because I wanted, this is one of my favorite things to think about. But in reading the creation story, I want to fast forward a couple of verses in Genesis chapter 1, verse 14. It says this. And then God said, let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night and let them serve as a sign to mark the sacred times and days and years. Let them be lights in, um, in the vaulted sky to give light to the earth. And it was so, because when God says it, it's just the way it is. God made two great lights, the greater to govern the day and the lesser to govern the night. He also made the stars, and God set them in the vaulted sky to give light to the earth, to govern the day and the night, to separate the light from darkness. And God saw that it was, it was good. And then he goes on, the writer goes on and says, and there was evening, and there was morning the fourth day. Wait a minute. What do you mean the fourth day? There was In verse 3, it says, and God said, let there be light, and there was what? Light. And then in verse 5, it says, and then it was evening, and it was morning on the what? The first day. And then if you go on, verse 8 says, and there was evening, and there was morning on the second day. And then verse 13 says, and there was evening, and there was morning on the third day. And then what we just read, he says, and then he made two lights, uh, one, two, two things to govern the light, one for the greater, one for the lesser. 
and he separated them. And then it says, and there was evening and there was morning on the fourth day. So you're telling me that there were three days that went by that there was a light without any source to the light. Whatever. Whatever. Come on, if you woke up one day and there was light and there was no source to the light, you'd be puzzled, right? There were three days that went by that there was a a, a light with no light source. Three days later, he says, you know what? I'm going to make a source to the light. So he created the sun. He created the moon. He created the sun to govern the day. He created the moon to govern the night. And then he separated the two. And then all of a sudden, we have a source to what was already created. The, The point I'm trying to make is God doesn't need a source to solve the problems in your life because God is the source. He doesn't need a source to the solution because he is the solution. So when you're trying to figure out how you're going to make it from point A to point B because it seems like there's no possible way, God doesn't need a bridge to bridge the gap. God is the solution to your problem. That God is that big that he he can solve a problem without even a source to the problem. That he just speaks and he says, let there be light. And there's light. And nobody even thought twice about it. And then he creates land and trees and he creates animals and all this stuff. And then, and then one day he's sitting there and he started thinking, you know what? I better put a sun and moon in the sky or everybody's going to be like, wow, where does the light even come from? It's just light all the time. That's how big our God is. That he doesn't need a source. He just is the source. And I want to remind you that our God is so big and he's such a good father that he wants to be the source to your solution. And I think that it's time in 2021 that the church stand back up and we recognize first and foremost who is the source, who is the solution, the answer to everything that we need. You need light. He's, he's created light, but if you need a source to light, he'll also create that too. No big deal. He's God. He's God. He's the solution. He can speak it into existence. He can speak a raise into your existence. Somebody say amen. He can speak promotion into your existence. Somebody say amen. He can speak healing into a broken marriage or healing into a broken body. He can just speak it into existence because he's the solution to what we're going through and because he's a good, good father. So we're going to look at a familiar passage that that most of you know and recognize. And this is in the book of Acts. I've already referenced it. Uh, at this point, but this is Luke writing in the book of Acts, okay, so Luke is hanging out, and the book of Acts, just to kind of give you a little bit of history on it, the book of Acts is really the history of the church, it's honestly the beginning of the church, uh, Jesus is born, Jesus walks the earth, he lives the earth, and then Jesus is crucified, and there is a movement that begins to take place, Because when Jesus dies, there's no believers, there's no church, there's no ecclesia, there's no anything like that. Then Jesus gets crucified, and and when he dies and then he ascends, the movement really begins. The movement, the ecclesia, the body of Christ really begins. And so what happens is uh, you have guys like... Timothy and Luke and Silas and Paul, they all start traveling together. There's actually several references where we know that there are more uh, men traveling with them. We just not, it doesn't really say exactly who all is traveling with them. So you have these men that are traveling with them and they're going around 
<laughs> and they're preaching the gospel. And Luke is documenting all this stuff. He's documenting the beginning, you know, in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit falls in the upper room. He documents when, when Paul and Timothy and Paul and John are really preaching, when Peter and John start preaching the gospel, and thousands and thousands and thousands of people are coming to believe Jesus Christ. And so Luke is writing all this down, and they're going on this journey from church to church to church to church to church. And as they go on this journey uh, from church to church, they're, they're preaching the gospel. They're preaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And this is actually Paul's second missionary journey. Okay, so it's his second missionary journey. They're going around, and there's two parts to this. Okay, so, so catch this for a second. There's two parts to what's happening. The first part is they are trying to build the church. They're trying to strengthen the church. They've had a meeting. They've gathered with all the apostles. They've come up with people. The church in order what, what church should look like. So they're going around sharing that with people. The church body is growing. The second part is for those people who are not believers. So they're traveling from to a couple of city to city to city, and they get to a couple of towns. And when they get to a couple of these towns, uh, just go around. Just go through these towns. Don't even worry about it. Just go around. So they do. So they, there's a couple of towns they skip. Everything with purpose. Everything with a purpose. So one day, Paul, he has a vision of a man from Macedonia. And in this vision, the man from Macedonia is calling out to Paul to, for them to come and help them, to come and to save them. And so, so Paul and Silas and Luke and these guys, they immediately get together and they travel to go find this man to preach the gospel to these people. And here's what it says in Acts chapter 16. If you don't have it, follow with me uh, on the Sky Bible. Acts chapter 16, verse number 16. It says, when we were going to a place of prayer, we were met by a female slave who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Okay? She was a fortune teller. She earned a great deal of money um, for her owners by fortune telling. She followed Paul and the rest of us. She was shouting everywhere we went. She was shouting, these men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. <coughs> Luke writes and he says, she kept this up for several days. Finally, Paul, he was so annoyed by her that he turned around and he said to the spirit, in the name of Jesus Christ, I would command you to come out of her. And it says, and at that moment, the spirit left her. The owners, verse 19, when the owners realized that their hope of making money was gone, they seized Paul and Silas. They dragged them into the marketplace to face the authorities. They brought them before the magistrates and, and, and these, they said this, that these men are Jews and they're throwing our city into an uproar by advocating for customs unlawful to us Romans to accept or practice. What they're saying is, look, they're coming into the city and they're preaching this Jesus Christ and Christ them crucified. You gotta remember at this point, it's illegal in Rome. It's illegal for them to go around and preach Jesus. And, and so these, these, these leaders are saying, hey, they're trying to get us to practice their religion and their rituals, which is illegal, right? It's illegal. We can't do that. <coughs> and they go on, and it says the crowd joined in in the attacks against Paul and Silas. 
and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten with rods. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer commanded them to guard, to guard them carefully. When he received these orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in stocks. And then the verse. Verse 25. About midnight. Everybody say midnight. Come on, one more time. Say midnight. Listen. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and they were singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners start listening. Paul and Silas are praying. They start singing. Luke writes that the other prisoners are listening to them and suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that shook the foundations. The foundations of the prison were shaken and at once the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loosed. The jailer woke up and when he saw that the prison doors had opened, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself. He was about to take his own life because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself. So what's happening here? We're all here. So what's happening here is they get drug in to this prison. <laughs> They're beaten. They're beaten with rods and whips. They're flogged and thrown into jail. Not just thrown into jail. They're thrown into the very center part of the jail. Of the jail. They're shackled. They're on guard. This is not a good day. So if you study when this passage was written, most people, theologians, believe that this particular passage is referencing about 49 AD, somewhere right in there. So, you know, y'all say, man, 2020, what a bad year. Paul and Silas would have been like, oh, man, 49. Whew, what a terrible year, right? So just to kind of give perspective. So Jesus has, has been gone for about 16 years, off the, off the physically off the earth. They're going around preaching the gospel, and they're having a bad a bad day. But verse 25 says, at midnight, but at midnight, and if you go look, if you go look up midnight and different things and, and look all this up, it's really cool. But scientifically, midnight, they say, is the darkest time of the nighttime. Midnight. It's the darkest hour. It's when the sun is the furthest away on the other side. It's the darkest time of night. And at midnight, they, Paul and Silas, they prayed and they sang praises unto God because they understood that that midnight-ish hour was the beginning of a brand new day. It was the beginning of a brand new day and, and the reason that we fret and the reason that we fear sometimes when we're in our darkest hour, think about this, 2020 for a lot of people maybe was the darkest hour. The reason that we fret and the reason that we fear so many times the darkest of night is because we fail to see that the darkness is actually a precursor to the very next morning. The darkness has got to come before the very next morning. We fail to realize that it should change the way the nighttime, the night that we're in a midnight hour. 
that we're not just beginning the nighttime. The nighttime is passing. We are at the beginning of a brand new day. And when you're at the midnight hour, and it'd be exciting because that probably means you're about to enter into the promised land. Or if you're in the midnight hour and you're praying and all of a sudden a storm starts coming and it just starts raining and everything starts flooding around you spiritually or whatever, you shouldn't get discouraged at that midnight hour. That should just remind you that there is an opportunity for you to walk on water. That's the power that he's given you. When you're in a midnight hour and you're praying and you find yourself stuck between a rock and a hard place, you should just remind yourself that that is just an opportunity for me to have a parting of the Red Sea experience. Because the midnight hour, though it seems like it's the darkest hour of the entire night, the midnight hour is not that bad. And Fred Hammond said it the best. He said, late at the midnight hour, God's going to turn it around. It's going to work in your favor. This is the year of turnaround if you will accept it and you will walk in it. Somebody say amen. Come on, if you will accept it and you will walk in it, it is midnight, 2021 for the body of Christ. And I declare this to you, it is midnight. That doesn't mean it's just the darkest hour. That means though the weeping may last for the night, joy, come on, somebody say joy. Joy comes in the morning. Though the sorrow may last for the night, joy comes in the morning because it's midnight. Acts 16.25, it says, and at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises to God. Now listen, the praise says that we believe that the prayer is answered. I'm going to say that one more time. I'm going to say it for you. Your praise should say that you believe the prayer is already answered. Oh, when you catch a hold of that, that'll change your life. The way you praise should declare to everybody around you, everybody that hears you, everybody that can see you, your praise should say, I believe that the prayer that I prayed has already been answered. And then it goes on, he says, and the prisoners heard them. Paul and Silas are in the middle of this prison. They're praying. They begin to sing praise. They begin to sing hymns. And they start praising. And as they start praising, they're declaring with whatever they're saying, whatever they're believing, that they're declaring that they believe that the prayer is already answered. And Luke writes and he says, the other prisoners, they heard them. Listen, that is a very specific word for maybe one of you, maybe all of you this morning. That though it may be a midnight hour for a lot of people and it may seem like the darkest time of their lives, there is somebody that is listening to you. There is somebody that is watching and listening to you that also are going through one of the worst times of their life. And how you praise could be the difference between life and death for that person that's listening to you. 
somebody's listening. Paul and Silas are in the prison and they begin to pray and they begin to praise. And Luke writes and he said, and the prisoners heard them. The prisoners heard them. Listen, it doesn't matter who you voted for. It doesn't matter what the financial hardships are due to the pandemic. It doesn't matter your, your opinion of whether we should open up the schools or close the schools, open up the city or close the city, open up the state or close the state. Somebody needs to hear your prayer and your praise in the midst of the darkest hour. They need to see that when you pray, you pray a prayer of hope. That when you praise, you praise a, a, a song of, of hope and salvation. That you're not hopeless. That you're not lost. When they see Christians go through darkness, they see they need to see us go through darkness differently, right? I shouldn't go through the same kind of darkness the same way that everybody else does. Why? Because I know who I am, and I know whose I am. So when I go through darkness, I, it should look different for me. I didn't expect a lot of amens right there, but I expected one or two. When you, as a believer, when we go through darkness, when we go through rough times, it should look a little bit different, and it should sound a little bit different coming from us than anybody else. Go look at your Facebook. It should look different and sound different than everybody else's. All I hear right now is everybody going, I'm deleting Facebook, I'm deleting, I can't handle, I'm doing this, I'm doing that, blah, blah, blah. You, whatever you want to do, I don't care, to each its own. But what I'm saying is if you get on and read it, it should sound different and look different than everybody else's. I'll just leave that alone because I can tell I've done offended somebody. Verse 26, it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. See, when people see the people of God, when, when people see the body of Christ pray and worship with confidence in the midnight hour, the foundation of what holds them in bondage will be shaken. When people hear your praise and when people hear your prayer in the midst of watching you go through some of the same things, even the worst things than what they're going through, it begins to release things in their life. And the things that you're going through as you pray and praise through it, it begins to release things in your life. The foundations will be shaken because the law of prayer and the law of praise is much greater than Murphy's Law, amen? You know, Murphy's Law, that uh, whatever can go wrong will go wrong, right? <laughs> the truth always overrides the facts. You know, it's too good to be true. In our house, when you say this, it should actually be, it's too good not to be true. It's too good not to be true. That's the difference. What they thought was impossible will be shaken so that they begin to believe that things are possible. Why? Because they see it working in you. When the world sees it working in us, they're, begin, they're gonna begin to believe the impossible things are actually very possible. I just saw it. I just saw it 
work and the things in your life that held you captive, they're going to shake loose. Anxiety and depression and addiction and anger are about to be shaken off of, you, off of you when you start to praise Him at the midnight hour because it's the beginning of a brand new day. Say amen. And then he says, Luke writes this, he says, and immediately all the doors were open. Everybody say all. All the doors were open. When you're going through something and you begin to pray and you begin to praise, there are going to be doors open up in your life that you never thought would open up before. When you begin to pray and praise Him in the darkest of hours, there's going to be doors that you never even imagined open that would open. I was thinking about that this morning with what Shelly and I have gone through in some of our business adventures and trying that if we'll just continue to pray, if we'll just continue to praise, there's going to be doors open that we never dreamed would open. Doors that we never, doors that we prayed about and, and, and forgot about. And, and that's a word for somebody this morning that there's doors that you've been praying about or that you've even forgot about that God's going to bring you back around to and they're going to be open through your prayer and through your praise. When we begin to pray in the valley the same way we pray when we're on the mountaintop, when we begin to praise in the darkness of night the same way that we would on a Sunday morning in church, when we pray and we praise like we believe that there is a better day on the way. Now I'm going to say this real quick. This was not just an escape out of prison. Okay? They didn't just jump up and go running. God had another plan. And they knew it. The mission in this story, and I was thinking about it this week as I was thinking about this message the mission, as they get to the end of this, you know, you think, well, Paul and Silas, they got arrested. It was, it was falsely accused, and they got thrown in prison for something dumb, and they get beaten. And so God provides this miracle, and this miracle just drops down, and all of a sudden, the, the walls shake, and their bands are loose, and all the doors come open, and everyone's chains come off. What a great miracle. The miracle was the people. So think about this. The miracle wasn't that everybody's bands fell off and the doors came open and all that. That was a little miracle. That was just God showing you that he's going to protect you when you're in the middle of something. The big miracle was the opportunity that he provided to minister to someone who had no idea that they needed something that you had. The big miracle was the people. See, I was thinking about it, and, and I wrote in my notes that Jesus' mission has always been people. But as I wrote that, I was thinking this morning, I was thinking about that, and I was going to say, you know, Jesus' mission has always been the people. And whenever I said that, immediately I felt the Holy Spirit kind of pull me back and go, whoa, 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 whoa. No. God's mission has always been the people. This wasn't a Jesus' idea kind of thing. God, this was God's idea. This was God before, way before Jesus came to this earth and manifested himself and lived. The, God's plan all along. So think about this. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
they, they, Nebuchadnezzar builds this, this, this idol 90 feet tall and, and commands that everybody bow down and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, these Hebrew children, they say, we're not going to do it. They're not going to bow down. They get thrown into the fiery furnace. And it's so hot that the, the men that are taking them to throw them into the furnace died. It was so hot. They're thrown into fiery furnace. And then King Nebuchadnezzar, I was in Cambodia when I, I really got this revelation. I was in Cambodia preaching to a bunch of youth in this little church. And God gave me this revelation. Right when I was preaching this story, all of a sudden, it just hit me. And I never thought about it before. They throw these men in the fire. And then a little while later, King Nebuchadnezzar somehow is able to look into the fire. Whether it's like from a perch up high. Did we able to look into the fire? And he calls the guards over and he says, hey, hey. Did we throw three men in there? Yeah, we threw three men. And King Nebuchadnezzar says this. He says, well, I see Shadrach. I see Meshach. I see Abednego. He says, but the fourth one looks like the son of God. My first thought was, how in the world would he know what the son of God looks like? I mean, he's not been manifested on this earth. How, How would he know? And so he tells them to come out, get out of the fire. And at that point, it dawned on me how long they might have been in the fire. Because as soon as they get out of the fire, there's not one hair on their head or their body that's been burned. None of their clothes even smell singed or burned. So they were fine the whole time. So these men could have got out of the fire anytime they wanted, but they just stood there in the fire. They just hung out in the fire. Because the, that was the little miracle. The big miracle is about people. It's about the people. Because they stand there in the fire, and, and this is this 100% my interpretation. This is, um, this is not gospel. You go back and read the story for yourself. But Nebuchadnezzar, he sees the three and then the one that looks like the Son of God, he, he tells Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to get out of the fire. I would like to believe that this, they were thrown into the fire. And when they're in the fire, immediately they realize that they're not being touched, that the flame is not touching them, it's not burning them, they're not hot. They realize they're loose, and they're probably like, let's get out of here. And then God shows up. says, whoa, 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 whoa. hang on. That's just part of the miracle. The bigger miracle is the people. So Nebuchadnezzar calls him out of the fire. He sees the miracle that had taken place, and he says this. He makes a decree over all the land, and he says, from this day forward, you are all to worship the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the one true God. And it dawned on me that had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego done like what a lot of us might have done when we get thrown into a a nasty situation and we can get out, we're getting out and we're getting gone. But they waited. See, what if King Nebuchadnezzar would have walked back to the window and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego would have just disappeared? But it was about the people. So Paul and Silas, they're in the prison the prison doors are open the earthquake that was a big deal that was it shook the the chains off of them 
The foundations were shaken. The doors fly off the hinges. Chains break loose. And, and all the prisoners are set free. But the roof never caved in. The beams or whatever was holding up never caved in. And there's a reason because God was concerned about Paul and Silas. That was part of the miracle. The, the fire never burned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because that was part of the miracle because God is concerned about you. But it's not just about you and what you're going through. It's not all about me, 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 and look at everything I'm going through. Poor me, poor me, poor me. The bigger miracle is always the opportunity that God provides you when He pulls you out of the situation to minister to everybody who watched you go through the situation. And what it does, it takes the eyes off of you and it puts the eyes on Him because they can see you didn't get out of that fire by yourself. You didn't get out of that prison by yourself. You didn't walk out of that prison. And, sh and, and Paul and Silas are in the prison. The guard wakes up and it says the jailer woke up. And when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword. And he was about to kill himself because he knew that he was in a lot of trouble. He was in a lot of trouble. He was in charge of the jail. And he's about to kill himself. And Paul yells out, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. To where a, a, a smart man would say, why are you still there? You know, the doors flew open, the chains fell off, you shouldn't be here in the first place. Why are you still here? Because at that point, it was not about them anymore, but it was about the opportunity that had been afforded them from going through something. Listen, somebody's got to catch that this morning. There was an opportunity, it says, there was an opportunity that God's going to give you when He breaks the chains off of you, when He pulls you out of the fire. It's not just so that you can get out and go, whew, thank God, that was awful. Oh man, that was awful. And then you tell everybody your poor, sad story. The point of God pulling you out of the fire is so that people can go, how? And you go, man, I was in the middle of the fire. God showed up right beside me. I don't know how I got out of it. To be honest, I don't know how I made it. I don't know how that season of my life didn't destroy me. But somehow, and all of a sudden, they're going to see that God did that. And eyes are not fixed on you. They're now fixed on Him. And what He did, it says in verse 32, it says, Then Paul and Silas, they spoke the word of the Lord over him, talking about the jailer. They spoke the word of the Lord to him and all the others in his house. And at that hour of night, the jailer took them and he washed their wounds. And immediately he and all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them to his house and set a meal before them. And he was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. It wasn't it had nothing to do with Paul and Silas. God used what they were going through for everyone around them not just the jailer but he and his whole household his whole household came to know God because of the praises and because of the prayer of two men who were going through hell this whole household came to know God because of the prayer and the praises of two men who had lost hope, who had been falsely accused. It was so unfair. It wasn't right what happened to him.
But when they were in the midst of that midnight hour, they prayed. They put the focus on Him. They put the attention on God. The prisoners started hearing them. The prisoners started listening. And here's another thing that's funny when you read the entire story, and I skipped a couple verses. When the jailer's about to kill himself, Paul shouts out and he says, don't harm yourself. We're all still here. He wasn't talking about he and Silas. Every prisoner stayed right there in the jail. Nobody left. Nobody got up and tucked tail and took off running. There was something spiritually that was happening on the inside of that jail that was so powerful. They didn't jump up and go, we're out of here, man, and, and take off. The chains fall off and the doors fall off. And they all just stand there looking around in the darkness. The prisoners were not going to be the first one to leave because they wanted to see what was about to happen because this was amazing. We've gone through a tough season and maybe you didn't handle it up to this point the best you could have but my challenge for you today is that it's a brand new day that it's midnight 2021 is is midnight it is a brand new opportunity for you to start again to start a whole new day a whole new day and it doesn't matter what it it has started out like if it started out worse than or better than whatever but that it's a brand new day and let me tell you something in this new day you're going to go through some stuff but the stuff you're going through could be the key to unlock everybody around you and let them see god work inside of you be on the lookout this year because somebody is listening to your prayers somebody is listening for your praise somebody is waiting for an opportunity to see God do something and it's not going to be all about me 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 but all eyes will be on him amen will you stand with me